He's worthy. Y'all believe that today? Amen. Amen. Thank you. We take just a few moments. The transition, the choir's coming down, and children's church meeting over to my left. I see them coming from the balcony in the back. So y'all take your time, make your way over to the left here to the Welcome Center for Children's Church. And I want to tell you, thank God for the cross. Amen. And while they're coming down, if you want to be turning in your copy of God's Word, the text today will be Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, is where we'll pick up in our journey through the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, and we're going to read through verse 10 here in just a few moments. You know, I heard something years ago that's always been a funny thing. You, through your life, you hear these things. And Years ago, after church one Sunday, this has probably been close to 20 years ago now. I was just thinking about it the other day when I was preparing to speak to you about the dangers of deception today <clears throat> and thinking how easily people are deceived and thinking things are about something they're not or someone they're not. About 20 years ago after church one Sunday, I was at a real spiritual place in Bremen, Georgia, eating lunch with my children. It's called Pizza Hut. Y'all heard of that? And uh, anyhow, it don't touch mottos, all my friends, but nevertheless, it did the best we could. We didn't have mottos in Bremen, but anyhow, we were there, and the reason we were there is because I had my little girls, and they had the buffet on Sunday, and just get them plenty, right? It was cheap, <laughs> but anyhow, nevertheless, uh, <clears throat> we were eating lunch, and some folks came in from a neighboring church that I had preached revival in their church, and... Um, one of the leaders of that church, you know, very influential leader at that time, uh, came by and he said, hey, how are y'all today? And I said, hey, good to see you, sir. Y'all doing all right? How's your family? How's the church? And I knew that at that point in time they were um, had been uh, in transition, you know. And he said, oh, yeah. He said, we've got us a pastor down. I said, that's great. I hope everything's going good. And he said, you know what? He said, he's a real good preacher. He said, he's uh, solid. And he said, he's got it in order. He's King James only. And he loved Southern gospel music. Those were the two requirements to be a great preacher. But anyhow, I said, oh, okay, that's good. And he kept going on about it you know, a little bit. And I said, well, good. He said, you know, he said, we like him so far. <laughs> now, Ray, those words so far <laughs> caught my attention. Because I've had that, you know, so far. And I said, well, how long has he been with y'all? He said, well, he just started today. <laughs> I thought it was a joke. He was dead serious. And I thought about that. I thought deceived into thinking that the church is about what we want instead of what God wants. And thinking that, oh, and just having all oh, just deceived and making things that are really minor, major, instead of making the things that are major, major. We're major on minors. We're real good. We, most of us have got a PhD in there, right? But nevertheless, I'll never forget that. And I thought, how deceived is this man to be today? Well, I, that's kind of a funny story. But the fact of the matter is, the reason it's kind of funny is we all know it may be rooted in some reality out there. Amen? Definitely reality. Can I tell you the end of the story on that, though? They didn't like him long. You know why they didn't like him long? Because he had a dream. He had a vision. He had passion. And he poured his soul out and preached the word. And after a while, that Southern gospel loving King James only preacher wasn't enough to hold them. They only liked them so far. Wow, he's a good guy. Went on to ministry, still doing good last I heard. But that church was deceived. And I want you to know today it's everywhere. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, 9, and 10. If you found your place and physically able, let's stand together in honor and reverence to the reading of the word of God. Here's where we are in our journey thus far in our series that we're calling Our Supreme Savior. Paul said, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Today I'm preaching on the subject of defending against the danger of deception. Let's pray. 
Father, today, may your word come from the page into our ears, into our minds, and take root in our heart and change us. May we encounter you in a real way today. And may our encounter with Jesus Christ result in lifestyle change. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. Be seated. Thank you. I don't know anybody I've ever met that enjoys being deceived. I bet you probably haven't either. Nobody enjoys that. We would rather be told the truth, even if the truth is hard, even if it's difficult, instead of being deceived. See, recovering from the pain and embarrassment of deception is one of the most difficult things that happens in a person's life. We know that deception takes on many forms. It's many degrees, but it is certainly a very painful, sometimes embarrassing thing. But at some point in our lives, every one of us will fall victim to some type or level of deception. In the Old Testament, Joshua dealt with it when he dealt with the Gibeonites who said they had come from a far country, had worn out shoes and molded bread. And truth of the matter was, they were just the next town over. They were trying to deceive him to become a part of his, his nation so that he wouldn't overtake theirs. Paul dealt with deception also as it threatened the church, threatened the church because false teaching was so evident, especially as we've learned thus far in the city of Colossae. Notice how he cautioned Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12 and following. He said, Timothy, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. He's saying even the evil men and imposters will deceive each other and be deceived by one another. Look here, he says, but, you know when you read the word but, the door fixing to swing on the hinge, amen? He says, Timothy, this is the way the world's gonna go, but there's something different about you. He said, you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing that whom you have learned them and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Paul warned this young pastor, he said, look, the evil, you can't stop it, fix it, and then sometimes not even slow it up. But he said, one thing you can do is because you know the word of God, you're indwelt with the spirit of God, you can be different in this world that is dark as you shine the light of the gospel. See, we all live in a world that is searching for a place of significance where they might put their trust and faith. See, the result of such suffering is a tendency to believe in false doctrines that are so easily accessible through many books, magazines, the internet, and other media outlets. You know, our culture is very consistent with the culture presenting these things during the time that Paul wrote. They're very consistent in our culture today. And even from the Old Testament history, we learn and through our study that people have specialized in academic disciplines of philosophy, which is the love and pursuit of wisdom. The city of Colossae had a whole lot of philosophers, a bunch of them. The church there was faced with a danger of being infiltrated by this false teaching of these philosophers, just as we have the same danger in our day. We have to be very careful. See, the church of the Lord Jesus has fought throughout history to maintain its doctrinal purity. It's been a constant fight, and may I say to you, it will continue to be one until Jesus takes us home. So in today's text that I read just a moment ago for your hearing, Paul gives us a model for how to deal with such heresy and false teaching. The specific heresy that I've reminded you of most each week throughout the study of Colossians is much going on with Gnosticism, but there were others that were unknown. However, we can determine that it had its roots in chapter 2, verse 8 that I began reading and will continue through verse 23 in the rest of our study. You see, along with false teaching, there was also the teachings of legalism, mysticism and asceticism 
which were all present. You say, I don't know about all those isms. If you'll stay with me over the next few weeks, we'll walk through every one of them and try to help you. But all of these systems of belief are false and will collapse when they are confronted with the truth of the word of God. All of these other systems have faults in their doctrine. The word of God will stand as the old preacher used to say when the world's on fire, amen? It will always stand. And when confronting these other false teachings, the word of God always comes victorious. So there's a couple of major things I want to point out to you today from this text that I truly believe will help children of God to prepare a biblical defense. And friend, I might say to you today, as much as you need to have a defense plan in your life for your home and family and all that kind of stuff, you have to have a defense plan for the spiritual integrity and purity of your life and that of your family and all those in your circle of influence. I believe the word of God today will give us that defense against the dangers of deception. The first major thing I want to point out to you today is that Paul teaches us that we need to beware of the deceiver. In verse 8, we learn much about that because when we study the subject of deception and spiritual warfare, we have to realize the source of all wicked deception. We're not fighting against flesh and blood here, ladies and gentlemen, but spiritual wickedness in high places. Who is that source? Well, Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and following, to be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil. Amen? That's who your adversary is. It's not somebody across the street or even around the world. It's the devil. Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Boy, I listened to Tony Evans the other day and got fired up about this. He talked about lions... He said, lions don't roar when they try to scare off the prey. They only roar when they have conquered a prey so that they might keep others who are stronger than them for coming after them. He talked about all these, uh, these uh, uh, animals like jackals and stuff like that. Lions are scared of them. But they'll go stand over a hapless sheep that they've destroyed and they'll roar loud like, don't mess with me, look how strong I am. They just roar to try to keep you at bay when you have within you something that's stronger than all the adversaries could ever put together. You have within you the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead. <laughs> Help us. Oh, Lord. He says this, he says, Peter says, resist him. Remember what James says? Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The submission comes before the resistance. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Do you know what? People all around the world who are standing for God at home and abroad are dealing with the sufferings for the sake of the cause of Christ. Why? Because of our adversary, the devil. Wow. He says, wait a minute, there's that word but again, right? Did you know there's, look here. But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you have suffered for a while. Anybody still with me? After you have suffered for a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Church, hear me. The source of all wicked deception is Satan himself. And anywhere in the world. And because of this truth, here's what Paul does. He gave us some clear instructions for responding to the attacks of our adversary. I just mentioned it a minute ago. Ephesians 6, 12. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Wow. You see, a clear understanding of our enemy will allow us to be faithful and to overcome his attacks without constantly falling to his defeat. I, I can remember, I told some of our boys here, a while back, maybe it was during football season, 
you know, they got this thing now called Huddle where you can go and watch all these other teams. And If they would have had that when I was in school and I had a cell phone where I could have watched film anytime I wanted to, I would have probably got kicked out of school for not doing anything. I didn't do enough while I was there without Huddle. Can you imagine what I would have? Look here. I can, these boys can watch film with, all the time. And I can remember having to wait to get to the film room which on Mondays was sometimes not a pleasant place to be. Amen. Some of y'all, y'all know, y'all know what I'm talking about. Getting called out in the film room was not a fun thing. But they didn't used to worry about hurting your feelings. Winnie, I got called out many times, and I should have. But I know in the days leading up to big games, here's what happens. Before you can take on any opponent, you got to spend some time studying the tendencies. It takes many hours of breaking down film and tracking tendencies and hopefully locating a weakness. Now, you think about this. As much as preparation goes into those things, and can you imagine now, I notice on these college staffs, they've got an analyst for this and an analyst for that. I thought about trying to be one of them, Keith. But, I mean, they'd find out real quick, I don't know enough, so I, they wouldn't keep me long. But nevertheless, they got all these different things, and their job is to get the team ready, to get them prepared, to give them the tools they need. And, and here's the thing about it, ladies and gentlemen. As much as that's important, can you think that is for a temporary time? What about for eternity? Well, look at the text here for money. Paul said this. He said, Satan wants to cheat you. You know what some translations translate that? He wants to take you captive. The, the phrase literally means to kidnap or carry you off as a spoil of war. He wants to present you as another one of his casualties. Oh, here's somebody that professed to know Jesus. Here's somebody that walked with God for a period of time. But I'll tell you what, he's looking to do anything he can to attack you, to bring you down, and he always attacks you in the air of your appetite. See, to Paul, it was unthinkable that those who had been ransomed, those who had been rescued, those who had been redeemed should be vulnerable by ignorance because of the prisoners of some spiritual predator or some false doctrine. Paul said it's unthinkable that this could happen, and it's happening. Well, you know what he was saying? He said, well, maybe we need to study some game film. Maybe we need to get a real good picture of what our enemy's doing that's causing so many people to fall in the gutter. So let's break down a little game film. It's right here in the text for you, okay? How does Satan make his plans? Well, first of all, let's look at the strategy of Satan. He uses philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men. Now, in Colossae, there was a whole lot of educated folks whole lot of smart people, whole lot of people with more degrees than a thermometer, I'm sure. They majored in philosophy, which we know is defined as the love of wisdom and everything that had to do with the theories about God, the world, and the meaning of human life. It was called philosophy both in the pagan world and in the Jewish schools of that day. Paul was not against them loving wisdom. Not at all. He was not against philosophy in general, but he was intensely opposed to the specific type of philosophy that was being taught in Colossae. He was warning against dangerous philosophy made of both elements that mix Judaism along with Greek Gnosticism. You say, that doesn't mean anything to me. It should. It means everything. They were taking the truth and they were mixing it with a little bit of error. And that error was what was causing people to be deceived or cheated or carried off as a spoil of war. Satan's strategy involved a real dangerous mix. The first part of his mix was is that he used hellish deception. The philosophy of the Colossian false teachers 
was never what it appeared to be. Listen to me. Every cult under the sun it starts out, it looks like it's wonderful, great, but it never ends up being what it appears to be. It sounded good. It seduced the minds of those that were deceived by it, but it was just an illusion. Y'all know what illusions are. I've always been amazed at how they used to could put a lady in a box and saw her in half and split her open and her legs were over here and head was over here and she was still breathing. Nobody was bleeding. I didn't understand that, but it was an illusion. It wasn't real. There is no such value, no value in any type of speculative human philosophy, no matter how deeply or profoundly religious it sounds. Here's what John Phillips says. Satan has always tried to imitate God. Whatever God initiates, Satan tries to imitate. You can count on it. He said he's always trying to dilute God's word and alter its meaning. Remember what the, what the serpent said in the garden? Well, uh, he said, well, God said today we eat that fruit, we're going to die. Did God really say that? You know, we got people today in our world that profess to be followers of a true and living sovereign God who really are not taking him literally at his word anymore. They're trying to water it down and make it fit our lives. Wow. Hell is deception. Phillips goes on to say this. Satan seems to find joy in manufacturing nonsense for people to believe he is very clever at inventing religions and philosophies of all sorts. He sows his counterfeit tares in the world alongside God's wheat. Wow. Hell, this deception. But there's a second part of that, and it's called human tradition. Another word for tradition, and you know it's translated in the original language to mean this, that which is given from one to another. See, just because people believe something that had been handed down through the years does not make it true. Amen? Mm. This is tough because we don't want to believe that Grandma and Grandma and Mima and Peepa or, or uh, Uncle Rhubarb or Aunt Flossie, we, we don't want to think that they could have ever been wrong about anything. Right? <laughs> Tradition often serves only to perpetuate error. It's the way we've always done it, preacher. We used to do things different till you showed up. Good. You say, we, we had things going the way we wanted. Look what a mess you made. I mean, <laughs> I hope you don't feel that way, but if you do, it's okay. Because pastors and leaders are not sent into situations to keep the status quo. We are sent here with a call from God and the flaming word and the fire of the spirit of God in our heart and a dream to see God's people be all they ever, more than they ever thought they could be and to see people on mission with God touching the world for Jesus Christ. And I want you to know today, if that offends folks, God bless them. But I'm telling you, that's what God put us here and the call he put on our life today is to be on mission with him and lead people to follow him amen oh it just tradition often just perpetuates error there were plenty of examples in Colossae of the effects of tradition the Jewish leaders had so many customs and they were filled with rituals that they put alongside the word of God that they were no longer able to distinguish the word of God from the tradition of men In Mark chapter 7, there's an exchange that takes place between Jesus and the Pharisees on this very subject. Let me share it with you. Mark 7, verse 5 and following. The Pharisees and the scribes said to Jesus, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? He answered and said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites as it is written. <laughs> This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You know what he's saying? He said, your heart's over here, your mouth's over there, and you're teaching the traditions of men as though they are Scripture. 
For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the traditions of men, the washing of pitchers and cups and many other things that such you do. He said to them, all too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your traditions. They come to Jesus and said, your boys are over there eating bread with dirty hands. What you gonna say about that? And he fires right back at him and said, Isaiah the prophet said this when he talked about you hypocrites. Golly. You know what he was doing? He was rebuking the scribes and Pharisees for being more concerned for following some type of ceremonial law than following the word of God. Ladies and gentlemen, if we have any other standard if we have any other ways or means of guiding and judging our lives that is less than the Word of God or anything we try to put above the Word of God, we're no better than the Pharisees. God help us. Tradition's a problem in the church today. Do you know that? Thank you. A wise man once said this. There are three certainties in life. Death, Texas, Tax, not taxes, taxes <laughs> and tradition in the Baptist church you go by a lot of places today many of our church buildings have everybody's name on it but God y'all know that I never thought if we God ever led us and we built anything or revival sit in here and Whenever we brought furniture in, instead of putting people's names on it, we just put God's name on it. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi, Elohim, El Elyon. How about that? Why don't we just put his name on his house? You don't have to agree, but you know I'm right. <laughs> if you just put his name on it, because last time I checked, Everything we got came from him. And if he uses you to be the vehicle of blessing, to God be the glory. If he uses me to be the conduit of blessing, to God be the glory. Whatever God chooses to do with his people, to God be the glory. <laughs> We'd be well to remember the words of Jesus that he quoted to them. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts far from me. Can I say something to you? This morning, if the bombs were falling on us, would we be worshiping like them Ukrainians? One thing that made my hair stand up on the back of my neck, I don't have much hair on my head, but what stood up on my neck once, I was at a pastor's conference helping pastors in Mexico, and a world life missionary a lady, her and her husband, and she stood and sung to God be the glory at the top of her lungs in Spanish. And those people worshiped God. And they were unashamed because they knew they needed to get every ounce of encouragement they could because they were going back into parts of the country where they could literally lose their life for the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, notice with me if you real, real quick. I'm going to have to hurry. Notice the system of seduction. According to the basic principles of the world, not according to Christ. Here's what he's saying. Satan used the tactics of deception and tradition based on the world's value system, not Christ. When he talks about basic principles, he's talking about elementary principles, basic stuff. It literally means things in a row. And he was exposing these deep thinkers who were highly, thought they were highly knowledgeable. And he's saying in According to the wisdom of God, you're just elementary. You're not a, you think you're a big shot, you're just a little squirt. I mean, no big deal. But Paul warned the Colossian believers that accepting the philosophy of men, they would be regressing from maturing and teaching them that this immature religion based on some sort of advanced thinking was not really advanced at all. It was really a bunch of childish thoughts. O.S. Hawkins said this. He said, the church's position in the world today is that of impending judgment. I am convinced that only genuine and only a genuine spiritual awakening 
and a fresh new wind of the Holy Spirit can avert the judgment of God and apostasy on our nation and world. Wow. Let me leave you with this today. Not only do we beware of the deceiver, but he also tells us this is a good part. Behold the deliverer. In verse 8, he's talking about the deceiver. Verses 9 and 10, he's talking about the deliverer. The deceiver is on the loose, but I got some real good news for you. Just as much as the deceiver is on the loose, the deliverer is the Lord. Amen? Notice what Paul says in verse 9 about his incomparable person. He says, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You know what that word fullness means? It means the sum total of all that God is, all of his being, and all of his attributes. Wow. See, this statement infuriated the Gnostics. They couldn't stand it. They were so wise and so knowledgeable in their own mind, it disproved everything they had been teaching about Christ. They claimed that he was not God, and now Paul's saying he is. The Gnostics were saying, Jesus Christ is not God. Paul's saying, oh, yes, he is. Paul is declaring the glorious majesty of Christ's person and his complete sufficiency as Savior. It was tearing them up. You say, well, you know, I just want to be kind of, you know, quiet about my religion. I don't really want to rock the boat too much. I don't want to, you know, make people uncomfortable. Listen to me. You say, if I say too much about my faith, I might run them off. Where are you going to run them to? Hell number two? They're already headed to hell. There's no hell number two. People need to hear the gospel, amen? They need to see a changed life. They need to see the work and the grace of God evident in the life of God's people today. Oh, God, help us. So their belief system called for knowledge and wisdom in addition to other things in order to achieve salvation. But Paul's saying, hey, if you want salvation, it's all found in this man, Jesus. He's a deliverer. I love what Oswald Chambers said. When Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross, it was not the blood of a martyr or the blood of one man for another. It was the life of God poured out to redeem the world. He was not a martyr, not the blood of one man for another, but the life of God poured out to redeem the world. Let me leave you with this. He talks about his infinite power. He talks about his incomparable person, but also his infinite power. Verse 10. You are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Because Christ is who he is, his fullness is imparted to us. Wow. Let me leave you to what George Mueller, I love George. I got, I got a thousand things I'd say. I always come over prepared. I want y'all to know that. Uh, I used to worry about, will I have enough to say in the heart of I'm like, dear God, how am I going to say all this before their gluteus maximus quits absorbing the cerebral cortex, you know? But he said this. So there was a day when George Mueller died, talking of himself. There was a day when I died. George Mueller died. His opinions and preferences, taste and will, dies to the world. It's approval and censure. He died to the approval or blame of even of my brethren or friends. And since then, I have striven to show myself approved unto God. Wow. The other night, Angie and I were coming down the road and I said you know I'm getting a little hungry she said I am too you know one of my favorite things in the world and I resemble this comment so don't man. have you ever had a pecan waffle from the waffle house son I guarantee you Keith they're going to be on the table at the marriage supper of the lamb <laughs> right next to the Krispy Kreme donuts Cracker Barrel Gravy and Biscuit and the Chicken Nuggets from Chick-fil-A and the Half Tea and Half Lemonade and the Ice Dream. It's all going to be together. I promise y'all, y'all be getting to eat lunch here in just a few minutes. You got to hear my story, though. And she said, well, come on, where are we coming up on? I said, well, the only one out here is in Alexandria, and I don't like this place. Keith, you sax boy, you don't like that place, do you? 
Oh, Alexandria. I don't want to eat here. They might poison me. They probably got a picture of me in here. They, they know I'm their adversary, and I'm okay with that. But anyhow, so we pull in, and I don't know why I'm there. Y'all ever been, why am I here? I don't know why. For some reason, I'm just supposed to be here. <clears throat> I go in, and there's a guy working in there. And man, he's giving 110%. He's helping everybody he can. He's waiting on tables that ain't even his. I mean, he's just, he's passionate about doing a good job. You just don't see a lot of that anymore, do you? See a lot of people, see how little, how little they can get by with having to do. This guy's giving 110% his job. And I began to listen to him, and I listened to, you know, how, how some others were talking to him. And God began stirring. And I said, Angie, I know why I'm here now. After we were done, he wasn't even my waiter. Joseph, I tipped him in here. Good. And I said, I just got to tell you something. I said, I haven't seen anybody work that hard with that kind of passion for their job, and I don't know when. And I just want you to know you blessed me, man. And I said, my name's Brent. And he said, well, my name's Joey. And you know, he said, he says, uh, do you mind if I, what, what do you do for a living? <laughs> Here I am in my Alabama shirt, Alabama shorts, and anything Alabama I can find. And I said, well, Joey, I'm a pastor. He said, I'm glad you come. He said, because I'm in recovery. Don't you ever throw rocks at somebody who's had to go through a hard time. Don't you do it. Because I'm telling you what, they ain't, all of us are one decision from stupid. Amen? We're all one step from stupid. And he said, and when I'm in recovery, they'll be taking us to this cowboy church. He said, I'm not a cowboy. And he told me what he'd done for years. He'd laid bricks and blocks, and I did that with Angie's daddy for years. So I probably crossed paths with him. Didn't he, he said, I was in Birmingham. I'm out here. He said, and I had to get away from my friends. Show me your friends. I'll show you future. He said, so I'm here. He said, I'm not really a cowboy. I ain't got nothing against it. And I said, I don't either, man. I'm not a thing. He said, could you... I live right over here down the road. Could you recommend somewhere for me to go to church? I said, matter of fact, my uncle goes to church right up here under two blocks, right up here at Mount Zion Church. My uncle, my cousins, and their husbands. They, I said, you, you go up there and tell them I sent you. <laughs> he said, it just, I said, yeah. He said, man, and he said, thank you for coming in. I said, no, no, no. They don't have to be a preacher to speak into your life. And I don't know what all, it don't matter. But this boy right here, God used him on an evening in God forsaken Alexandria, Alabama to bless me. Why did I tell you all that? Because if you're not careful, you'll get so deceived by this world You'll quit looking for opportunities to bless others who God can use to bless you. He said, you know, I just finished my training. And you tell me, I mean, this guy was like, do you need to tell how about you over? How, straw, got you. I'm on, I mean, this, he's washing down the thing. He's, he's doing five jobs. And I said, you know, God used you to bless me. We get so deceived because sometimes we look at people from the outside and we judge how good they are from what we see on the outside instead of look and see what God's wanting to do on the inside. Amen. Because that's where God's looking. Amen. I read the book. It's in there. Old Testament. Man looks at the outer piece. God looks in the heart. And we can get so caught up. We can watch so much right now. I know you're locked in. You want to know what's latest developments or whatever. Look here. There's nothing wrong with being informed. And you should. But in this darkness, let's go be the light. Let's don't get so deceived with all the elementary rudiments of this world that we fail to just go be salt and light. 
Here's what Paul said. He's trying to cheat you. You know what? Some of you have been cheated. You've been cheated out of a lot of blessings because you were reluctant to do what God said because it'd make you vulnerable and uncomfortable and people might make fun of you. Hear me. If you are waiting to get right with Jesus before he comes, may I recommend you do it right now because he can come any moment. If you're waiting to get right with God or waiting to get right with somebody else, can I recommend you do it today? We had our Sunday school lesson about guilt and grudges. That was great stuff in Joseph's life. If you're waiting to be a blessing, could I recommend you do that today? Because at any moment, we could be in the presence of Jesus. At any moment, we might experience great difficulty and even personal or national pain. We don't know. But what we do know is that when he comes, we shall see him as he is, and we shall be like him. But until then, don't be deceived. God's put, put his spirit within all of his children. Let's go be salt and light. Let's make a difference for the kingdom. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name. God, I don't know what needs are in this room today, but I know they're great. I know that this week, Father, we all have carried around a heavy heart that the worries of this life are there we can call it what we want to it's worry we can drape it in other words and call it concern or whatever but we, there's a lot of worry and we know that it's in vain we know that you give peace it passes all understanding but yet we still struggle because we're human father I lift up my brothers and sisters that are struggling here today God that they'd find peace today they wouldn't be deceived there'd be salt and light till you come but God I really want to pray on behalf of that man, woman, boy, girl that's in this room today that's realized they don't have a relationship with Jesus Father today may the spirit of living God speak so clear to them that they would humbly submit themselves to you surrender totally confess their sins and leave here today a born again child of God God may today be their spiritual birthday and may the church rejoice as you add people to the kingdom I pray it in Jesus name amen and amen stand with me all over the house you're standing just a minute Marty's going to lead us but if he has listen to me don't let the adversary cheat you today don't let him cheat you out of your peace child of God don't let him cheat you out of your mission if you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you know you need to because you can't go to heaven without him don't let him cheat you out of eternity with Christ don't let him make you a spoil of the war. Come to Jesus today is my humble prayer. Marty, you lead us when you're ready. You come to Jesus as he leads you. Let's make this our prayer this morning. Lead me, Lord, I will follow. Lead me, Lord, I
sing it again. Let's sing it again. City didn't open up for it, you reckon? But you know what they did have? They had a voice. And nobody, and, it, and that voice was because of what was going on in here. Nobody could take that away from them. I had a man tell me once, he said, I'm not a rich man. I said, Oh, yes, you are. He says, How do you figure that? I said, Well, the Bible says the blessing of the Lord makes rich. I said, If you want to know how rich you are, you add up everything you have that. <laughs> that money can't buy and death can't take away from you and you'll say you're a rich man so we're going to stop the music for a minute how about that just when y'all ready we're going to do a stop the music and we're going to sing this chorus right here because here's what I do know I know that the challenges are still there are going to be a bunch of them out there I don't know what all they are but I know we need the leadership of the Holy Spirit in everything we do and I just want to pray that as Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians, that with one mind, one mouth, and one voice, we just lift our voices to God. Because here's what I want for you, David. Here's what I want for you, Joseph, Mark, and Keith, and all you guys. I want God to lead you. I want you to be all God wants you to be. Every man in this house, I want you to hear me. Every lady in this house, every young person's out. I want you to know my heart for you is that God would get glory from your life by leading you wherever he decides to take you. Amen. So as we sing this chorus right here, I want us to sing it with the same heart that our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine were singing. They can't understand our language. We can't understand theirs. But you know what? I didn't even have to understand the words. I could sense the intent of their heart. I heard a Russian choir one time at the First Baptist Church of Jacksonville, Florida sing, There Shall Be Showers of Blessing. And it sounded like Sacred Heart to me. <laughs> I mean, I really did. But you know what? I picked up, and you could tell that it wasn't just the words. It wasn't just the melody. It was the intent of their heart. They were refugees in Jacksonville, many from Russia, just glad to be saved. <laughs> we need to be people who have a, have a Savior who got up from the dead and we ain't got over it yet. Amen. Let's sing this chorus with all of our heart. Lead us, Marty. Lead me, Lord. Us a hand clap of praise this morning. Amen. 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 Thank you. You can be seated. God bless you for standing and singing. I appreciate your kind attention this morning. And I truly pray and believe uh, that God wants to use every one of you for his glory. I really believe that. He's never saved any of his children to just set them aside and let them hang out for the for the ride to heaven. <laughs> he saved every one of his children for a purpose. Place gifts, calling on your life. And I always tell my children when they were growing up, now even as they're adults, I just pray that all your life you will chase God's heart with all of yours. And that's my prayer for them every day. And that's my prayer for you. So as we give today, we give from our hearts with joy and just thanking God for it. I know there's bad news out there. And like I said, you need to be informed, but if you watch too much, you're going to get depressed. I'm just telling you, you're going to get worse and discouraged. I had to even watch myself the other night. I finally just had to 
go outside and fire up the pressure washer and wash something I've already washed. <laughs> I mean, just I mean, just to get you know, just clear out. You got to do that. But nevertheless, as we give today, let's give because this is the way God chose to finance His work through the faithfulness of His people, bringing the tithe to the storehouse. And you know what He said He'd do? He said He'd fill your barns up if you just do what He said. I don't know. Let's try Him and say He said, "Try me," <laughs> and He'll do it. So let's join our hearts together today and ask God's blessings on our giving. y'all hey uh, before we go today don't forget pay close attention to your announcements and if you need any help both doors will have people be glad to help you if they don't have the answers they'll track them down I guarantee you that because we want to make sure to but make sure you guys that are going to Utah make sure you get your paperwork turned in with your deposit by Tuesday so we can get everything settled for that okay if you have any further questions about that please don't hesitate to ask us but I do want you to know this this sermon day was prepared, as I said, and it was delivered, so you can go preach a sermon. Amen. Preach a sermon. <laughs> Somebody says, you know, preach the word, use words if necessary. I saw one other day I liked it. It said, preach the word, use words, it is necessary. Amen. Amen, it is. So it is. I believe that. It's essential. I really believe that. And so you go preach the message this week to people through your life and your lips. Use your words, all those things to help people and encourage people because let me tell you there are a lot of people out here need more encouraging than ever we'll probably go back to doing some more updated stuff through the week with our social media like we did during the beginning of the pandemic so if you haven't got our page or liked our page or whatever please do that and when we do a live video or an update video you'll be able to have a notification for that and we'd like to keep up with you like that okay so remember that, Wednesday night, 6 o'clock for everybody. Supposed to be some good weather this week, amen. 75 by Friday, and somebody said, amen, right? It's going to be good, but don't forget that God loves you. I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it, amen. Stand together, Marty's going to sing us out.